Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Good morning? You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away! Let me speak for the love of God! Rise and shine! This is your wake-up call. Don't slam that snooze button. Don't get up either. Just lay there, maybe for the next 30 minutes. Have a listen to what we've got to say. But if you're already up and eating breakfast, then good movie Monday to you. And of course, if you value your sleep, and in Victoria, it is a public holiday today. So happy whatever day it is to you. And yes, you've decided to listen to Good Movie Monday. We're grateful to you for that. And this is a weekly morning show dedicated to movie things. I'm your host, Glenn. I'm joined by Keith. The show is produced by FakeShemp.net. And we practice the art of cinematic Nerdy ramblings. So, Keith, how are you, mate? I'm well, mate. I'm very well. How are you? I'm really good. And we're off and running. What did you think of the first episode? Oh, I thought it was sensational. (laughs) 10 out of 10. Mate, just like be honest with me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it was great. It was great. The feedback has been good. Um, People were very generous. I was quite surprised. It's been shared around. Thank you to everyone that has tuned in and shared it around. It took me by surprise. I didn't think we'd pick up an audience that quickly. Mm. So fantastic. And we do, of course, have another fantastic episode lined up for you. It's cram-packed. Of course, we've got Screen Realm coming back to chat with you about the week that was on their website. Jarrett is back to pick apart the week's home entertainment releases. And Adam Ross will take a look at the new Ben Affleck film. So anyway, mate, what is news in the world right now? Well, I see that there's a new Tom Hanks film that's going to be dropping this year. So the trailer, Greyhound. I didn't see this coming. Uh, Neither did I. I didn't even know that A, it was in production, or B, that the big fella was in it, or C, that he's written the screenplay. Is this another That Thing You Do? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Man, that film is an underrated gem. I knew you'd say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, honestly, World War films are the the flavour of the month. And what is going on here? Like this... The trailer, if you haven't seen it, it's very much a midway kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, it is not a Dunkirk. It's not a 1917. No. This is a big budget, special effects driven. Oh, yeah. Throw the kitchen sink. It looks like well, Pearl Harbor on steroids. We've got CGI. We've got torpedoes deflecting off the bows of ships. <laughs> and we've got some really hokey looking dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, at first, everyone's excited. This dropped only recently, and yeah. everyone's talking about it. I'm watching the trailer, and I don't get the hype. I'm like, yeah, okay, Tom Hanks, that's one thing, and yeah. war, war film is another, but th- it looks really, really hokey. I agree. Oh, when I first saw the, the picture of him in uniform, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. He's going back to World War II. You know, you think of Saving Private Ryan, all these great things that he's done. But um, watching the trailer, I was like, oh, no, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, it looks, it does look hokey, very CGI. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, he obviously enjoys those type of roles, you know, Captain Phillips, all that sort of stuff. But I feel like he's probably, he's probably mined this field before with, with more riches. That is a nice pun. Mm. I, will, I will give you that. <laughs> he's mined this field. Um, but 
but yeah, like I mean, you, you do a film like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, you don't go back for a war film unless you've really got the goods. That's right. No, I agree. And obviously, that's you know maintained sort of classic status for a you know, couple of decades now. Well, given that this one crept up and surprised me, I have mm. no idea what the production history is on this one because no, did, with, no, was this conceived before Midway? Because it looks very similar to it looks Midway. Very similar to Midway. So. Lord only knows. I have yeah. no idea, but um, okay. Let's see it when it comes out and make up. That's <laughs> right. Like you know, Thomas is always good value, Tom. So I'd probably see it for him, maybe. But we'll see. Was there anyone else in it? Star power? I don't think so. I think he is probably a prerequisite for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's directed by what Aaron Schneider. I think his name is. Yeah. He's the guy that made Get Low. Oh, yeah. Which had um Robert Duvall and Bill Murray. It's a bit of a western kind of. Little independent film. Unsung classic. These these directors that go from like independent sort of micro film to massive, to massive big budget. massive stage, yeah. That is odd. Yeah, absolutely. The studio has to have a lot of faith. I agree. And obviously, I mean, maybe Tom Hanks, you know, I don't want to be cynical here, Tom, but maybe, <laughs> you know, it's his baby. Obviously, he's written a screenplay. He may not want, you know, someone, I don't know. He wants control. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, time will tell, but um, shall we get onto some new releases? If you're heading to the cinemas this week... These are the movies that you've got on offer. You've got Queen and Slim, which is a new one that um, took me by surprise. I saw it uh, last week, and it's a bit of a African-American Bonnie and Clyde story. That's the way at least it's promoted, mm. but it's a very deep film about two people that are sort of apprehended by a cop yeah. wrongfully, and they end up killing him, and then wow. they're on the run from the authorities, and they become celebrity status. You know, the news is all over it, and, yeah. and they're put up on a sort of pedestal as, you know, the voice of the black community, and... It's really deep and it's really good. So we'll Got check that boy, out. My boy Posh Kenneth from Skins in it. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing there. <laughs> and we've got Military Wives with Kristen Scott Thomas and Jason Fleming's in that one. Uh, that's directed by Peter Catino. I think that's how you call it, say his name. Peter Catanio. Mm. He's the guy that made the Full Monty and Lucky Break. And oh, wow. So, yeah, it's the true story of the wives of the soldiers fighting in Afghanistan. Okay. You know, they, they form yeah. a, a choir. And it's you know it seems formulaic to me, but I haven't seen it yet, so I can't I can't cast judgment on that one. <laughs> That's right. Then we're going up the ladder to Bloodshot with uh, Vin Diesel and Guy Pearce. Interesting, this one they've um they didn't do any media screenings. Vin no. Diesel's recently backed out of all promotional you know wow. junkets because of coronavirus, and you know, oh, Vin. Oh, I know. Time will tell. It looks a bit like Last Witch Hunter. I think it might uh, sink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Guy Pierce, man, I haven't seen him in anything in a little while. Maybe that's just my ignorance. But. He's, he's, he's been in things, but mm. nothing prominent. And he's, I think he spent a lot of time back home. Okay. We've also got a new horror film called In Fabric. Now, it's a British film. Um, portions of it are in French. And we're getting this one late. This was released everywhere else in the world in 2018. Uh, it's set in a department store and it follows the life of a cursed address that is passed from owner to owner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah, I know. I mean, this shit gets my attention. How's that? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of surreal. Looks, you know, looks original to me. Um, I haven't seen it, but looking forward to it. Another one at the cinemas is called Happy New Year, Colin Burstead. Now, this is another latecomer. This was originally released elsewhere in 2018 also. Something of a family reunion comedy drama set on New Year's Eve uh, where the arrival of an estranged family member sets the night's events into a spiral. Mm. It's kind of formulaic by the yeah. sounds of it. Sort of a, um, I guess, what would you compare it to? Eulogy or even yeah. um, The Big Chill, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then we've got Unstoppable, which is a documentary about Bethany Hamilton. Now, that's the surfer who lost her arm during the um, shark attack. Yeah. Was it her arm or a leg? I believe it was her arm, yeah. Yeah, and she was the basis of the film Soul Surfer. Wow. Yeah. So this is her story told in documentary, 
And then we've also got First Love, which is the latest film from Takashi Mika. I don't know if I pronounce his surname right. Is it Mika or Mika? I reckon you've nailed it. Yeah, either way, I'm right, <laughs> yeah, hey? Yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, this one's about a gangster that meets a call girl and they spend one night running from gangsters, cops, and a female assassin. So I suppose that one is just the typical hyper-violent fare that we come to expect and love from him. Yeah. And that's it at the cinemas, although I do want to point out there is a one-off event screening this coming Thursday night of a film called Eve, which is hosted by Fangoria Times Monster Fest. I'm sure Jarrett will be deep in that one. It's Thursday night at Nova in Melbourne. Uh, visit monsterfest.com.au or cinemanova.com.au for tickets. And of course, Keith, I know there's been something on your chest uh, for the last few days that you really want to unleash, but if you can just contain yourself for a little bit longer. First, I want to throw to Guillermo up in, uh, up in Sydney from Screen Realm, and uh, we'll be back right after. What's going on, everybody? Guillermo from ScreenRealm.com here, the best movie website in the entire universe. Happy to be back for episode two of Good Movie Monday. I'm going to be going through this a little faster this week. I went over time last week. My bad, Glenn. But this week, I'm going to try to hit three to five minutes. So let's go. In the last week on ScreenRealm.com, we've had no time to die coronavirus news. That's right. The virus has affected James Bond. Seven-month delay for the film supposed to come out in April here in Australia and in the US and in the UK April 8th in Australia the new release date is now November 12th and in the US it was supposed to come out on April 10th now November 25th the delay comes at the risk of hundreds of millions of dollars in potential box office revenue that could be lost with the ongoing cinema blackout that's occurring in China as the coronavirus escalates there are also concerns that the toll on the theatrical market will rise such as South Korea Italy and Japan as this virus unfolds and April which is just next month is right on the cusp of this fear so understandable so yeah it is a bit disappointing for fans looking forward to this release especially so close to when it was supposed to come out keith i know you're upset as well mate but i reckon this is going to make the movie even better because any other little little tweaks and niggles that needed to be done it can be done now so sony will probably take advantage of that next up matt reeves director of upcoming dc film the batman with robert patterson unveiled official images of the new batmobile it's a great new design i think um it's got you know fans kind of divided because it's a bit different from what we've seen before it's much more of a souped up stylized muscle car as opposed to the um tech heavy renditions that we've seen before i really like it. it it kind of looks like a guy that kind of did up his car really um which i'm looking forward to seeing i'm really looking forward to this movie in general so at the moment i'm kind of digging whatever they're putting out there and i think robert patterson is going to be a good Batman okay so if you want to find me about it you know where to find me we also had a US release date handed to The Little Things a thriller set to star Oscar winners Denzel Washington and Rami Malek that's right both of these Oscar winners are going to be starring in one thriller and I'm already signed up for that the film will have Washington and Malek playing two detectives who team up to take down a serial killer now listen to this Jared Leto is also on board and there's no word as to who he's playing but don't be surprised if you hear that he's playing the serial killer the film comes out in the US on January 29 2021 one there's no official release date in australia although australia's roadshow films does have a film called untitled new line in their lineup and that's for january 28th 2021 so that'll likely be the release date the film's directed by john lee hancock whose credits include saving mr banks the blind side and the founder he also wrote the screenplay onto one of our reviews this week downhill now there probably isn't a more apt title for a film this month downhill we had john noonan review it who absolutely absolutely disliked it it hasn't actually done too well everywhere the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb all those kind of things a lot of the reviews are just really poor for this film it stars Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus it's a remake of a Swedish language film called Force Majeure which is a absolutely fantastic film that you should really check out but you should probably skip 
downhill. But I know that Glenn from Fake Shamp, he actually really, really enjoyed this film. So who do you want to believe? Believe us. Uh, moving on. <laughs> A couple of the big trailers this week, Sony released a trailer for animated comedy Connected produced by Lego Movie and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse filmmakers Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. This looks great, it's basically just about a family, the, the father he realizes that his, his teenage daughter, they're just not getting along and they're just not as close as they used to be. She's now going to college and the father decides, you know what, better time, get the family together, go on a road trip to drop it at college. So this will be the last time we spend together as a family. And wouldn't you know it, it's also around this time that technology decides it's time to take over humanity. This looks like a lot of fun, the animation's great, and I'll basically be on board with anything that Lord and Miller do, especially after Into the Spider-Verse, which I think is a masterpiece. So check out the trailer for that. We also got the new trailer for Disney's Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl has fans of the book pretty unhappy right now. The most recent trailer really, really showed how much of a departure it is from the books. To be honest, I've never read the books. I don't really know much about the books. I just know how popular they are. And I know that in the series of books, the, the boy Artemis is in fact a bad guy or just a, a really conniving criminal. Here, he's basically a, a Disney superhero in the making. So I don't have much interest in this film. I'll check it out when it comes out. And yeah, Artemis Fowl checked out that trailer. We have two giveaways going right now. We have Bloodshot, like I said last week, and we also have ticket giveaways now for A Quiet Place Part 2. I'm so excited for this sequel. And if you want a chance to win tickets, head to ScreenRealm.com, go to our win page. You can find all the giveaways we've got going on. So right now, A Quiet Place Part 2 and Bloodshot. That's it for me, guys. Don't forget about Screen Batch, Australia's subscription service for screen lovers, Blu-rays, merch, movie tickets monthly. Get on ScreenBatch.com as well. And follow us all on social media, Screen Batch, Screen Realm, Fake Shemp, Good Movie Monday, get on it. See you guys. We interrupt this program to bring you a motivational message from Wes of Scarefest Television. Mark Twain said, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. The secret of getting started is putting your fucking phone down. Big thanks to Gamo up there at Screen Round for covering some of this week's news and... Also, thanks to Wes from Scarefest Television for his valuable words of wisdom. Always appreciated, and you'll hear from him again in a little bit. But um, Guillermo mentioned uh, the elephant in the room. Um, mm. I know you've you've got you've got to exercise some demons right now. So, should we talk about James Bond? We should. <laughs> Would you like to take the lead? Well, I don't, that might be dangerous, Glenn. <laughs> we discussed Bond briefly last week, and it was it was a happier occasion for Bond. But it wasn't a happy occasion, but happier than what's, happier. About, to, what's about to unfold. Well, they've dropped <laughs> yeah, they've dropped a bigger bomb on us than die another day. Yes, right. So Guillermo covered that in his piece. So how do you feel about this? The film has been pushed back by seven months. <sighs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I actually, I'd heard rumors of this. And then I woke up the morning of, and actually you told me about it. I got the message from you and I'm like, you, you cannot be serious. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, I, I like seven months, man. It's outrageous. I understand uh, like the logic behind it. So obviously they're in it to make cold hard cash. Obviously they don't care much about the fans, but they obviously want to make money. Obviously, China, the worldwide market's a big part of their their growth. So I get it. But context is important here, and I think given the amount of delays and woes that this production has had, I don't really think. That they can justify moving it. Well, this is interesting. Where do you start with this? Well, the coronavirus. Yeah. Okay. So you and I, you know, we're we're not on the coronavirus train. We're out right. of toilet paper and we're pissed off. Yeah. 
right. and rice, man. <laughs> <laughs> can't even, man can't even buy a bag of rice. But I'm not buying that as an excuse for this delay. Uh, yeah. And the reason being because not long after this news dropped, Disney have announced that with Mulan, mm. right, it's only been pushed back by what, one month? One month. They've also predicted or projected that this is going to be their biggest opener for the year, if not the biggest film of the year for them, and their biggest audience is China. $90 million prediction, I believe. I saw that today, and I let me tell you, it pissed me off. Yeah, because if you go back and watch the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable they did mm. recently with all the studio executives, right? Yeah. Now, that was recorded before the corona scare. Yeah. Uh, now, the head of Disney... Is on the record in that conversation saying that Disney's most valuable demographic is mm. China. And he talks about Milan and he says, if China are not on board with this film, we sink. Yeah. Right. So the fact that they've not pushed this back That's by right. seven months, they've got all of their beans in the one basket here. That's right. So I'm not buying the fact that James Bond has been pushed back for this reason. Now, you've got a little conspiracy that you want to float. I do. I do. I have a suspicion that obviously there's a monetary aspect here. But I suspect, and I could be wrong, prepared to be corrected in seven long months' time. But <laughs> maybe the plotline of the film does centre around some sort of virus, chemical warfare. I know I've heard rumours that Rami Malek's character is um, <clears throat> into genetics, etc. I would not be surprised, or at least he's a scientist, um, potentially Dr. No. Well, that would make sense with a no time to die. And indeed. And... Oh, <laughs> And obviously, Dr. No is a Chinese person. Well, no. Well, <laughs> Keith is trying to be very... He's yeah. trying to tiptoe around this. But you know what I mean? It might be insensitive. That's basically what I'm getting at. If there's a, <laughs> if, if you have a Chinese villain who is releasing a virus, I feel like that might hit a little too close to home, <laughs> given the climate of, of the present day that we live in. So I could probably swallow that more than... The other reason, which obviously, as you highlighted, with things like Mulan coming out, that they haven't, they've pulled it by a few weeks. It's nothing. If Bond had done that, a month or two delay, I would have gone, yep, you know, you have stuffed the audience around already. This is the fourth release date. The fact that you've pushed it all the way to November in the typical Bond comfort zone of that November release date um, just leads me to be cynical. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean. (laughs) Rightfully so. I mean, how much more can you take? I mean, <laughs> what if the film is a dud? You're I'm, a man on the edge, man. Oh, mate, it's it's disgraceful. <laughs> Barbara Broccoli, man, she plays mind games. Now, actually, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> She's a Bond villain, maybe. She, oh, she is. I just... Yeah, well, look, I think you've, you've pretty much met your wit's end here on this one. So, <laughs> we, can we move on? Yeah, I think we should. Because I have a funny feeling this is going to be an ongoing motive throughout throughout this show. <laughs> At least until November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other news that I think is equally as ridiculous is the fact that there's this Snyder cut of the Justice League <laughs> going around, which... We've all know, been waiting for. That That's the conversational title for Zack Snyder's long-promised director's cut of Justice League. Um, do we need this? That's the thing. Like, the backstory here is obviously Snyder was replaced by Joss Whedon on 
on uh, Justice League when Snyder's daughter tragically passed away. But obviously the film ended up being a big fat mess and with pressure from fans and all that kind of you know, bullshit, the studio agreed to let Snyder release his director's cut. But the thing is, <laughs> after he said that he wanted to release it and he had all this footage, now it turns out he has to go and reshoot <laughs> half of the bloody movie. <laughs> oh, Zach. Son, it's time to put the cue in the rack. Man, I don't know about this. I mean, I didn't like the film to begin with. I don't like these multiverses and shit. No, same. And all this kind of comic book stuff. I'm over it. I'm fatigued. You know, I was going along Abs- with it for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> if you like tacos, that's great. If you want to make other people eat it every day, that's not great. Like I just say, let the film rest in peace, eh? That's right. And it's like, if you were, ex- I mean, look, if you're excited for this and, you know, <laughs> like, good luck to you, man. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like, Zach, I mean, you got to feel for the man somewhat, but... Do you remember when he was an important filmmaker? I do. Oh yeah, I do. But was it you know two thousand seven? Well, even like he got his he got off the ground with Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, which you know tr- it, it subverted a genre for right? sure. And then he came along and did all these other things like Sucker Punch. You know, it was poorly received, yeah. but I think it's quite an audacious film. It's yeah. quite deep in its context and all mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> he did three hundred, which was I mean that was big hit, well reviewed, good film. I feel like. That was probably the pinnacle, and, <laughs> well, and yeah. the candle is burning down. You know, he did Watchmen too. Yeah, Uh yeah, he did yeah. do Watchmen. So he got, he just got embedded in this sort of comic book mm. world, and I just think he needs to get out of it. Yeah, when a man wants to execute his vision, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> good luck. Look, who knows? It could be a, it could be a, it could be a gem. I would probably say not, but we'll see. All right. Well, anyway, let's. Uh, should we take a listen to Jared? I think he wants to talk about what whatever's happening on home entertainment. Drop and give me twenty. Of your finest home entertainment releases, good sir. That's right, it's Jarrett and I'm back with PE Class this week, giving you the best advice as to the greatest way to waste your dollaroos on home entertainment. But rather than last week where it was a bit of a Ben-Hur episode, I've been reined in by the Romans and I've got to keep it tight. So I'm going to tell you what's coming out this week, but I'm probably only going to focus on two films, at least I'm going to try to. So first up, Studio Canal are releasing two action classics to 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray and DVD, but I'm not going to talk about the Blu-ray and DVD as these two titles have been on Blu-ray and DVD so many times, repacked in so many different ways, that 4K Ultra HD is all that matters. Those titles are Roland Emmerich's Universal Soldier, of course, written by his constant collaborator, Dean Devlin, and featuring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. It's a pretty crazy sci-fi action film. I remember when it came out theatrically, the film was rated M, and then when it came out home entertainment VHS in the day, it came out in R and an M version. And there is some gory scenes. In fact, there's a scene with Dolph Lundgren where he's got the necklace of ears, and he does this bit, I'm all ears. Anyway, I love this movie. It's coming out 4K Ultra HD, brand new scan. The picture quality looks schmicko. The audio is just the DTS HD master audio track that was released previously on the Blu-rays. Um, and it carries over all the archival special features, most of which I don't think have been on the local release uh, in the past, but now they're making their debut locally. So it's all archival content, but it's great. There's two commentary tracks, one with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren, along with Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, and the other one, just Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. But uh, it's a cracker of a package, a bunch of featurettes on it. Definitely worth checking out. The other one is Red Heat starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Belushi. Red Heat's a lot of fun and it's that, you know, that buddy cop movie, that, you know, bad pairing, odd couple sort of scenario. 
Uh, it's a lot of fun. It looks fantastic on 4K Ultra HD and similar to Universal Soldier, it just ports over the previous DTS HD master audio track. It's a shame that neither film have been remixed in Dolby Atmos, but that's completely understandable. I mean, they, they aren't premier catalogue titles like Cliffhanger. These are sort of your more budget titles. That said, though, the special features it contains in two new featurettes, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the man who raised Hollywood and political context to Red Heat, the rest of the special features are archival content that's been previously released on uh, Lionsgate's Blu-ray in the States. I think the Aussie Blu-ray only had a handful of things in the past. Anyway, these are two essential purchases for anyone that likes their late 80s, early 90s action flicks and of course with, you know, such cool, um, you know, action icons as Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Definitely check those out. Also coming out from Studio Canal this week, the mystery uh, crime caper thriller in the vein of Agatha Christie, Knives Out from Ryan Johnson, writer director Ryan Johnson. I enjoyed it, I didn't love it, I thought it was quite a bit of fun. It is loaded to the gills of special features. In fact, I think it ports everything from the Lionsgate release over except for one documentary. Um, so there's commentaries, deleted scenes, featurettes, there's a ton of stuff on that. Definitely worth checking out. That's coming out in 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD. Also out from Studio Canal on Blu-ray and DVD is Countdown. Played Monster Fest last year around Australia everywhere but Melbourne. It's a tech horror film, similar in vein to Unfriended, but without that found footage sort of look. Um, it's a bit of fun, you know. It's sort of probably aimed at a more teen audience, but it's still worth a watch. Also out this week, Universal Sony Home Entertainment release Official Secrets on Blu-ray and DVD with Kira Knightley. The Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch film, the Zomcom that really lacked a lot of the com aspect of it. And Charlie's Angels coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. That's the new incarnation of Charlie's Angels. Uh, funnily enough, not getting a 4K Ultra HD release. I'm guessing poor box office. Look, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Would I watch it again? Probably not. Also out this week through Roadshow is Replicas on Blu-ray and DVD with Keanu Reeves. It's an odd release to, to see it now because it's been out for about 18 months, I think, in the United States. So it's only just coming to Blu-ray and DVD locally. It's odd that even bothering doing a Blu-ray of it, in all honesty... Um, but I guess it is Keanu Reeves. Also coming out as a JB exclusive from Roadshow is Roma, the Academy Award winning film for best foreign language. I think it was in, it was released 2018, but awarded in 2019. Awesome thing about this is it was a Netflix produced movie. So although it played in limited release in cinemas about a week out from its Netflix release, is the fact that a Netflix movie is coming to Blu-ray. We've seen TV shows come to Blu-ray, but we actually haven't seen a movie come to Blu-ray, so that's genuinely exciting. Anyway, that's me for this week. Next week, I'm going to be joining Glenn and Keith live in the studio for Good Movie Monday. And Keith, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'll be bringing with me a 5,840-hour loop of James Bond surfing the tsunami from Die Another Day, just to console you while you wait for the theatrical release of No Time to Die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Uh, Jarrett, yeah, I believe we had a change in programming, mate, for next week. <laughs> Moving right along, Keith. You know, keep those, keep that anger down, mate. Suppress, suppress. But we do have some sad news that mm. I wanted to touch upon before we do move on. Uh, we've been talking about coffee versus tea over the last few weeks. We have indeed. And I've got a very poor segue that I want to make because the great James Lipton has passed away. Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But that is sad yeah, news. I mean, this is a guy that people like you and I watched religiously, right? Yeah. We had 93 years old. So he had a good run, but this Great is a guy that's, you know, behind the actor's studio. Oh, yeah. Legendary. Legend. Fantastic. Some of the best interviews, discussions you can watch 
on film acting is brilliant. Okay, what's, what what would you say is your favourite? My fr- Do you know what? I always love the one he did with Dave Chappelle. That's a good I, one. I, I love that one. I love Dave Chappelle looks kind of baffled to be there, but I, I just hearing James Lipton in his voice introducing Half-Baked yeah, is just, true. Is and just But I mean, just to have James Lipton know Chappelle's work so that's intimately right. was fascinating yeah, to watch. Yeah, kind of touching too, you know. I, I thought, it, yeah, that was a great one. There's plenty. I'm, part, um, I'm partial to the Edward Norton one. Yes. I think yep. that's a really good one because it shows a side of Edward Norton that most people haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah, but so many over the years, he's done, you know, practically everyone that is anyone. That's right. Um, I used to watch it all the time. And if, you, if you've never seen one of his episodes mm. of you know, Inside the Actor's Studio, find it on YouTube, find yeah. it wherever you can, go back and listen, watch some of his stuff. He was Must a pioneer, watch. a bit of a maverick, and he kind of set the standard for how you interview somebody. Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant display. Um, got some incredible um, confessions out of people too, like... Really, I remember the one with Jack Lemon. Do you remember that famous one where he sort of said he was an alcoholic? And I think he was really surprised to hear him say that. But yeah, he drew a lot out of people. Yeah, and, yeah. And obviously talked about the films we loved. Yes. We salute you, Mr. Lipton. Hey guys, it is Adam from Adam's Just Seen here. Obviously throwing in an are you okay for Keith uh, because we know how distraught he is about the delay of No Time to Die, the latest and possibly last Bond film. I doubt that very much. Um, Look, I'm hurt too because this is the first time I've cared about coronavirus. I'm not heartless. I'm just a really big Bond fan, so I'm very upset that I don't get to see that movie soon. What I am here to talk about is The Way Back, a sports drama. So far, so formulaic. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the sports drama. Look, done well I'll take it right and this is my thing I'm not a sports guy so if I go into a movie and I feel like I get a sense of the mechanics if I think that the action is shot you know in a really kind of inventive and involving way uh, I can definitely get behind it but I just I definitely see the machinations I see how it's working and the way back is very formulaic Um, and that's in this case not a bad thing it's a kind of gentle movie in a lot of ways an alcoholic gets a bit of a lifeline back into society when he takes on a bunch of misfit kids to try and get them to get better at basketball and you know do they teach him some things does he teach them you've seen this all before but what you haven't seen or maybe not you know kind of in recent memory is the coupling of an actor and a character that this movie offers now this movie stars Ben Affleck Uh, this movie only stars Ben Affleck there is no other real notable actor that appears on the screen so there is nothing to distract you from how much this man is front and center and he is giving it his all in this Um, if you've had any look at the tabloid fodder you might have known that Big Ben has had a bit of a struggle with the booze of late and he rings that into this movie for so much emotional you know worth I just it really floored me Um, the fact that he's willing to be this vulnerable I mean the guy is an A-list movie star actor uh, despite being you know an incredibly talented director as well but the guy is a brain you know the guy is very very good and I think that he has been underscored by his kind of tabloid elements of his life and here he's reminding everyone how good an actor that he can be so despite his matinee idol looks he's behaving like a character actor in here and um completely wholly believable um and as Jack Cunningham it's kind of heartbreaking to watch him and I just think that, you know, that now and then you get that special alchemy of an actor willing to harness elements of their personal life and to channel it into a film. And that just honestly bench presses the way back up from being just a formula- formulaic normal sports movie. So look, if you like sports movies, this will definitely scratch the itch, don't get me wrong. But if you actually want to see, you know, an A-lister putting everything on the line, then go and check out The Way Back. Uh, I feel like this is a three-star movie, but I will give it four once again, because of Big Ben's emotional bench pressing. So the way back, four stars from me, Adam.
This week, Scarefest Television welcomes back a show favorite, Felissa Rose. The iconic star of Sleepaway Camp has over 100 film credits, including 2019's Victor Crowley, but is probably best known for wearing incredibly tight dresses everywhere she goes. Join us live this Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time Zone at ScareFestRadio.com or via Facebook and Twitter by following The Scarefest. So thank you, Adam. See, I, I appreciate the commiserations, mate. See, that, that, that's, that's a genuine bloke right there. <laughs> See, Jarrett, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, it is a time for, there is a time for humour and this is not. <laughs> Let's be honest. Thank you, Adam. Well, yeah. It's a fellow Bond fan, you know. I appreciate <laughs> uh, look, moving on to Keith, like, you know, get over it, mate. Mate, spammy. So anyway, there's some Scorsese news you want to talk about. Yeah, so new Scorsese films just started rolling. Killers of the Flower Moon, it's called, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Sounds exciting to me, mate. <laughs> uh, a Western, I-, I believe, set in the early 20th century on a, uh, a reservation. Uh, I believe um, Indian, tr- Indian tribe being murdered. FBI gets brought in. Sounds really intriguing. Based on a book, apparently the rumor is that it might be being moved over to Netflix to cater for its big budget the man, the older he gets, the bigger the budget gets. This one has got a predicted $225 million price line on it Mate, for a Western. Do you remember when he made modest films? Vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, you, know, you and I differ on this because I, I love pretty much anything the great man does. You'd like to see him operate with a smaller Yeah, but that's something I apply budget. to so many filmmakers. Like Tarantino, for example. I wish that yeah. these filmmakers who, in my, in my mind, peaked when they were, you know, restrained. Yeah. You know, like to me, Tarantino, Pulp Fiction. Like, you know, I want to see him return to that kind of budget. Scorsese, mm. like bringing out the dead's last time he really did something that was a really low budget as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely pay that. And and he's just been getting, like you said, bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. How big can he get? Well, now he's got Netflix. The sky's the limit, I suppose. That's right. Like the Irishman was 250 million, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And this is 225 do you need that kind of money for a Western? I well, mean, I'm excited that there's yeah. a Western, like that he's going into that's this genre. Same, that's great. That's amazing. But but does he need the yeah, money? Yeah, it surprised me because I, I knew, obviously, the Irishman, less CGI, very ambitious. We always knew that was going to have a bit of cash. This, I don't believe there's any, I haven't heard anything about potential CGI special effects. It's a lot of cash. Obviously, the two boys command a big salary, but. Yeah, it's surprising. I mean, I believe it's slated for a 2021 release. Started filming now, so I don't know when it's going to come out. Well, he's not slowing down, is he? No, hopefully he can knock it out of the park and do a couple more, hey? Did did the Irishman pay off, do you think? Do you think that has been a worthwhile thing? I definitely think so. I, I know it probably didn't get... It certainly didn't get the awards for Netflix that they obviously craved. Uh, Scorsese and people involved, they probably didn't get the recognition, maybe in terms of gold statues. Very highly acclaimed. I believe it's got like a 96 Rotten Tomatoes. I know it had a lot of online viewers, so I believe it's made its cash back. Well, yeah, at least we know too. Like, yeah. uh, the proof is in the pudding that it will get a theatrical release regardless, even That's if right. it's limited. Uh, as Jarrett t- you know, mentioned with Roma, it's going to get a home entertainment release. Definitely. You know? So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a bad thing that it goes to Netflix. Yeah, neither do I. I just wish that they wouldn't keep going up with this scale because, you know, the industry is in a precarious kind of situation mm. and position and I think we need to sort of rein it back a little bit. Absolutely. Well, if you take a Western that's over $200 million, it's got to make a fair bit back, don't you, to see more of those type of films, you'd think. And 
the western is not the most popular genre like a gangster film That's is. That's right. You know? So there's a, there's a whole new audience to be found yeah. that has not sort of grown up with the genre. Absolutely. And that's a hard audience to yeah. convince. Well, we talked about the Irishman being kind of fan service in, in a way, wasn't it? You yeah. had all these famous guys, you know, people from all ages was going to see this and have this one. I don't know. It's got a couple of big guys in it, but it's presented the same pool, I don't think, in terms of, you know, their potential audience. So, Oh, well, we'll see. Time, time will tell. Time will Indeed. tell. So let's move on. We've, um, we've got the second part of the Rob Zombie interview to get to, which that was very well received last week. Yeah. I think people enjoyed that. So I'm going to wrap that up with Rob Zombie in a moment, but I'm going to cut to another song because I love that we can play music on this thing. Yeah. Uh, another sort of Rob Zombie inspired piece of music. So here it is. Uh, just to set the mood, it is Inner Vita de Gata by Iron Butterfly, but it's the short version, not the 17 minute. <laughs> epic version uh, there's no time for a toilet break here no in a god of a freedom honor don't you know that I'm loving you in a god of Don't you know that I'll always be true? Oh, won't you come with me and take my hand? Oh, won't you come with me and walk this land? Please take I got a beat of honey. Don't you know that I'm loving you? And I got a beat of baby. Don't you know that I'm I particularly love about your work is some of the quirky cameos you have from icons of the genre, uh, people like Dee Wallace and Clint Howard and Barry Boswick. Do you, I guess, have a kind of wish list that you tick off 
when each movie comes around? Well, I have people that I've, I love from other films over the years. You know, it'll be, uh, like, even at the beginning of the movie, the, you know, the, the newscaster's Austin Stoker, who I always loved. He was, you know, Saul on Precinct 13, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, you know. There'll just be people I thought, oh, I thought that guy was cool. I mean, that's how I cast everybody, really. The, the problem I'm having these days, which sounds kind of morbid, is so many of the people I loved as a kid, they're, they're, they're not around anymore, you know? getting harder to, harder to find people because I, I you know the 1970s was my heyday for loving movies and a certain character actor like Jeffrey Lewis that I used in Devil's Rejects I was like so excited to work with and loved him in all the Clint Eastwood movies so yeah there's, there's tons of people and you know and there's still more you know even with Barry Bostwick that was right at the last minute you know the movie was done I, and I go I need someone to be the narrator and my producer friends with Barry Bostwick he goes how about Barry? How about Barry? I go, fuck yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I think I'd watch anything with Barry Boswick in it, to be honest with you, even if it's something like Teen Beach Movie or Anna Montana. He's so nice in person. So, and he's so big, so tall, but he's a big dude. He's so he's super cool. Ah, so good to hear that. Another thing that's so integral to your films is the music, and you've teamed up again with Zeus. How does a Zeus zombie partnership work? Do you kind of give him directions or do you just sort of let him feel it out for himself? No, I give him direction because what I want is so specific that he would, he, you know, it would, it would be unfair for me to go, oh, figure it out. Like, I don't know what the fuck you want. So what I do is like, we'll find pieces of music, me and the editor temp in existing music and I go, okay, see how this plays? I need something like that vibe you know say in the third act it all takes place in mexico and i knew i wanted this sort of more coney good the bad the ugly type music so we go through and you know some of us from that some of us from this movie navajo joe and these different italian westerns and i play them those songs or, okay we need something like this we're going to break it down here and then he, he did a great job because i was throwing something crazy at him every day like oh now i need some mariachi music be like, how the fuck do you write mariachi music? <laughs> research it, study it, going, oh my god, they play at this time signature, they only do this. And he was like, yeah. he did an amazing job, and it was not easy. <laughs> yeah, well, it works so well. There's one thing that I generally avoid discussing because I personally don't think that it holds much validity, but the issue of violence in cinema has reared its ugly head again recently, particularly with um, the early impressions of the Joker a little while back. And I wonder, with the world views and social standards changing so drastically since the release of The Devil's Rejects, has has this sort of changed the way you consider or approach new material? No, it really doesn't. I mean, I just kind of, I kind of work in a bubble. I just kind of do what I want to do. I, I think, you know, it doesn't matter. The world's always had violent, not always violent movies, but, you know, violent movies have been a thing for a long time. Yeah. You know, that started wherever you want to consider the really violent movies, heck and paw movies, I don't know, things before that. So, and the world has been violent way before that. So I really don't think the two things connect, personally. I haven't seen The Joker yet. I don't know if it's really violent. Yeah, it is. It's essentially a taxi driver style of violence. But yeah, you're right. It seems to be the same old conversation, just a whole new generation having it. It's a conversation that exists because, let's face it, I mean, nobody wants the you know, politicians or people that are in power don't want to deal with real life problems and fix things. 
so they love to go, oh, look at these violent movies, oh, look at these violent video games, listen to this satanic music, that's what's causing all this, because they're all full of shit, man. I agree, and it's refreshing to hear a filmmaker openly say that. The, the prisons of the world are not filled with people that watch too many violent movies. Just to change tact before we close, if you would indulge me for a moment, I wonder about some of your personal favourites, and I'm sure that some of our listeners down here in Australia would love to know what some of your favourite Aussie films were. Let's see. Um, I mean, truthfully, I, I gotta say Mad Max, because I remember the first time I saw Mad Max, I didn't even know what it was. It's probably, you guys are sick of hearing about Mad Max, but... Um, I remember seeing an ad in the newspaper. I didn't know what it was. It just looked so cool. It was just, you know, him standing over the gun. And, and I was like, let's go see it. I didn't know it was Australian. I didn't even know what it was about. I just thought it looked cool. And that kind of blew me away. That was that was the first one I, I, I ever saw that I thought was kind of amazing, especially for a warrior. That, that's actually a perfect answer because I have a framed copy of that very poster on the wall beside me as we speak. I love when movies are like that because it's like, I didn't even know what it was. You know, now you know so much. I just thought that looks cool and went to see it. Walking in, not knowing, I, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't, you know, I didn't know. And, and it seems so terrifying. You know, the, just the look and feel of Australia and the bikers and everything else. It's like toe cutter and the whole fucking crazy thing. What was that, what's that other one that um, I might buy? I forget. Is it Stone? I dig that one. Which, I, which you know, same guy. And I I can't think of the play toe cutter, right? Oh, uh, Hugh Keith-Byrne. Yeah, that's the one where they had the real-life Hells Angels in the film and had security, and it led to absolute chaos. Yeah, which, which I wonder how that worked out for them. Um, but that's, a, that's another cool Australian film that I like. What else? I forget sometimes. Um, uh, that's all right. You, you've given me two completely seminal answers right there. Is Chopper Australian? Yes, it is. That's a fucking badass movie. Eric Bannon. Incredible in that movie. Still, I still can't recognize him. I'm like, I can't believe that's the same guy. If you ever feel so inclined to look into it, Eric Banner's portrayal of the real character is eerily on point. Oh, he's phenomenal. I even like, uh, you know, Mick Jagger and Ned Kelly. You know, that's such a great character. And before we sign off, a second ago you mentioned the posters doing the hard yards and selling the film. Your films have the exact same effect with their poster art. I think they're glorious particularly Devil's Rejects, which I think had multiple arrangements and versions. Each one sort of snagged you, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, good. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on it, especially this one. We made a lot of different posters. It's weird because you want the poster to... I like when they feel like a weird image because there was a really bad time for poster art that started in the 90s with Scream, where the posters were just... like All of the cast descending order of importance. Well, you're the star, you're the second star, and everybody's so airbrushed, they don't even look real. I was like, these posters suck. They don't even look like art. They just look like a bunch of agents argued over the importance of their actor and how big their face should be on the poster. So true, so true. The floating heads of horror. Yeah, so lame. <laughs> well, mate, that brings us to the end. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me. I'm a huge fan, and it's been a massive thrill I can't wait to see you down this way again sometime soon. Right on, man. I can't wait either. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Nice talking to you. So that wraps up the interview with Rob Zombie. I had a lot of fun doing that. A massive thanks to Stack Magazine for letting us share that with you guys. Yeah. Um, very happy to be able to do that. 
Uh, there'll be plenty more coming up. Um, you know, just keep your keep your ears peeled for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was on a bucket list for me, so I was Absolutely. really fortunate to do that. We have loads more coming up. Um, before we bring this into a close, let's do some recommendations, man. Like that's that's how we're going to bring these to an end every week. Absolutely. What would you like to recommend? I'm going to continue my theme of films released in 1973, and I'm going to give you an underappreciated <laughs> gem. Hang on, you're using my terminology now. Underappreciated, <laughs> mate. Yeah, but I'm a, this one actually has some some, <laughs> some some critical credibility, Glenn. So this is where I'm deviating from your pathway. Uh, this is a film called Scarecrow by Jerry Schatzberg, starring Al Pacino and Gene Hackman, two very famous actors. Perhaps not so famous film. It did win the Cannes Film Festival in 1973, tied with another movie. So this has got some serious acclaim, but it's kind of, it hasn't quite got the prestige that those other films from that era do starring these boys. It's a, it's a road movie, two vagabonds on the way. Al Pacino's trying to get to his kid to give him a present, reconnect. And Gene Hackman is trying to get enough money together to start his own car wash. Um, they meet on the road, very different characters, a lot of stuff happens, yep. ending up in jail, all this sort of stuff. It's great. Meeting a few a few ladies of the night along the way, a bit of romance ensures. Um, yeah, but it's great. It's a comedy. It's a drama. I highly recommend it. It has, I think, one of the most, most gut-punching scenes I've ever seen. There's an amazing scene that takes place right at the end of the film at a fountain that features some of the best acting that you'll see, particularly from my boy Al Pacino. I do love Gene Hackman. This, part of the reason why I have recommended this is because it probably stars two of my favourite actors of all time. I love both those boys for different reasons. And you wouldn't expect them to be pairing together in, in a film where they work wonderfully. So if you have a moment, check it out. It's available to rent or buy on YouTube. I believe it's on stand as well. So, yeah, so check it out and let us know what you think. Well, not to be confused with Night of the Scarecrow or Scarecrows. No, no, it's a, this is definitely a very different animal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the one I want to recommend, this was actually, I listed this as my favorite film of 2016. Uh, it's Everybody Wants Some, which is the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. Yes. Uh, this has been something I talk about quite regularly on fakechamp.net, now, whether it's in writing or in you know, podcast form or whatever. I just love it. It's, it's perfectly nuanced. It's got an 80s setting. The characters are wonderful. It's episodic in nature with the narrative... It kind of feels like an intellectual frat house comedy. You know, I'm a big fan of the frat house, animal house kind of thing. This one feels like it's got a little bit more smarts about it. Um, look, you know, if you if you like Days to Confused, it's a very good follow up. It's not a narrative follow up. It's just a spiritual kind of you know aesthetic follow up. But um, have you seen it? I have. Yeah, great film. Yeah, I'm glad you like it because yeah. I've you know I've I've copped a little bit of shit for this one, but no, nah, it's good. Yeah, I think it holds up really well. I've watched it recently. You know, again, the Blu-ray is fantastic so it's easy to come by i definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it do um so yeah there are recommendations for the week we have to announce a winner also for our competition from last week all you had to do is hashtag good movie monday and the winner is vanessa gudgeon now i hope i'm pronouncing that surname right vanessa is well known around the traps you know she's she helps out at monster fest you know she pops up at all kinds of you know conventions and whatnot she's a real asset to the volunteer community with you awesome. know within the cinema world but she yeah she shared our show and no better winner to give all these movies to so yeah prizes in the mail vanessa thanks so much for sharing well us please continue to do so we do pluck the winners at random so look if we just happen to pluck your name again then you're going to win again That's so right. you know it's not favoritism it's just we love everyone 
It could be you this week. It could. We've got more to give away this week. So what do we got this week? We have once again another copy of Fangoria Presents Puppet Master The Littlest Reich on Blu-ray thanks to Monster Pictures. We've got Streets of Fire, the Walter Hill I think it's a classic, mate. It's a cult classic. Uh, if you haven't seen it, then you want to get your hands on this one. Tarnation, which was also released through Monster Pictures from Daniel Armstrong, our good mate. He was on our, he was on our podcast several years ago promoting, I believe it was Murderdrome, if I'm not mistaken, which I absolutely adore. I adore his work. You can get your hands on that. And we have another copy of Bad Samaritan, the one with uh, David Tennant that we gave away last week. So all you have to do once again, share us on all the social medias with the hashtag GoodMovieMonday. We'll pick a winner at random and announce it on next week's show. Anyway, Keith, it's time to sign off. Um, I hope that all of you people listening have added our show to your calendar. Um, A new episode of Good Movie Monday premieres every Monday at 6am simultaneously on YouTube and Podbean shortly after you'll be able to find it on Spotify, iTunes, Ditcher and the various other podcast hosting platforms. So subscribe and don't forget to leave us a comment. Next week, Jarrett is going to be on the mic with us here at the desk, hot off his supernova hosting duties. He is actually hosting uh, a panel with the, uh, the director and cast of The Faceless Man at Supernova. Wow. You know, this man is going up in the world. The man is ascending. <laughs> so anyway, I'm rambling. Remember to click that bell. Subscribe to what we do. We love your support. And um, to hell with the 30-minute running time. I think we've gone over, but that doesn't matter. It's fine. Yeah, we've got so much, Dan. We, we like listening to ourselves. We do, and I'm sure you like listening to us. So it's it's mutually <laughs> beneficial. So thanks to Jarrett. Thanks to Guillermo. Thanks to Adam. Of course, thanks to you, Keith. Thanks to everyone who's been listening to us. We're going to send you off with a song from Everybody Wants Some. A little bit of Rapper's Delight. Oh, perfect. By the Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, That's it from us. Good movie Monday, everyone. Take care. To the hip hip hopper, you don't stop the rocker to the bang bang boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. Now, what you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Up to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang bang the boogie to the boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the bang bang boogie. Let's rock. You don't But I brought two friends along And next on the mic is my man Hank Come on, Hank, sing that song Check it out, I'm the C-A-S-N, the O-V-A And the rest is F-L-Y You see, I go by the code of the doctor of the mix And these reasons, I'll tell you why You see, I'm six foot one and I'm tons of fun And I guess to a T You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad Ali And I dress so viciously I got bodyguards, I got two big cars I definitely ain't the whack I got a Lincoln Continental Then a sucker could ever spend But I wouldn't give a sucker or a punk From the rock and not a dime till I made it again Everybody go, oh, tell, more, tell What you gonna do today? Cause I'm gonna get a fly girl Gonna get some spank and drive off in a death OJ Everybody go, oh, tell, more, tell Holiday in. Say if your girl starts acting up Then you take a friend A Master G, 
want to know, and I want to know the beat. Don't stop until the break of dawn. I said a M-A-S, a T-E-R, a G with a double E. I said I go by the unforgettable name of the man they call a Master G. Well, my name is known all over the world by all the foxes, ladies, and the pretty girls. I'm going down in history as the baddest rapper that ever could be. Now I'm feeling the highs and you're feeling the lows. The beat starts getting into your toes. You start popping your fingers and stopping your feet and moving your body while you're sitting and you're sitting. Then damn, they start doing the freak. I said bam, I ride it out of your seat. Then you throw your hands high in the air. You're rocking to the rim, shake your dairy air. You're rocking to the beat without a care. Cruise the show, I shot MCs for the affair. Now I'm not as tall as the rest of the gang, but I rap to the beat just the same. I got a little face and a pair of rhymes. All I'm here to do, ladies, is hypnotize. Singing on and on and on and on and on. The beat don't stop until the break of dawn. I sing it on and on and on and on and on like a hot butter. The pop, the pop, the pop, give it, give it, pop, the pop, pop. You don't dare stop but come alive, y'all. Give me what you got. I guess by now you can take a hunch and find that I am the baby of the bunch, but that's okay. I still keep in stride 'cause all I'm here to do is just wiggle your behind. Sing it on and on and on and on. The beat don't stop until the break of dawn. Sing it on and on and on and on and on. Rock, rock, y'all. Throw it on the floor. I'm gonna freak you here. I'm gonna freak you there. I'm gonna move you out of this. Cause I'm 